On today's insights, distributing your content, how to get your blogs to more prospects. How can you get more value out of LinkedIn and Facebook groups? And does the age of your job posting affect performance on job boards? Insights is brought to you by Haley Marketing. Right now, we're talking to lots of staffing companies that want to do more marketing, but money is tight. That's why we created three new low-cost marketing services to help you sell more. First, there's Haley Mail Lead Gen, a three-month content and direct marketing campaign to show employers how to reopen for business and better use staffing services. Second, there's Talent On Demand. This service positions your company as an ideal partner for last-minute needs and helps you better cross-sell all the kinds of positions you can fill. Finally, we're offering our digital sales toolkit that combines video email, web content, email marketing, and more to make your outbound sales efforts easier and more productive. To learn more about any of these services, you can give us a call at 888-696-2900 or visit haleymarketing.com slash COVID dash recovery. This is Insights. Welcome to Insights. Tips and best practices from the insiders at Haley Marketing. Insights will provide you with the tools you need to master your social media, digital marketing, and employer branding. Your hosts for Insights are Brad Biley and Matt Lozar. What's up? This is Brad Biley and welcome back to another episode of Insights, the podcast built to help you with your recruitment and digital marketing. As always, I'm joined by Haley Marketing's director, of recruitment marketing. He's Matt Lozar. Matt, how are we doing this week, buddy? We're great, Brad. How are you doing? Matt, I'm doing great. I, uh, I'll throw it out there, Matt. I set a goal. I turned 29 last mm. October, set a goal, wanted to work out 200 times by the time I turned 30. I hit it yesterday and we are 90 days until my birthday. We're there. Feel great. Feel really good. COVID can't hold me back, man. No. And what are we doing to celebrate the goal? Because we, we always set goals yeah. as companies, people, but if we don't celebrate success, that doesn't drive home that hard work that anybody puts in. I agree. And you know, exact point, Matt, I told a couple of my buddies were in a group chat because we're all trying to work out every day. And my one buddy was like, great. So now what's the new number? Immediately dismissed the fact that we hit the goal, right? It's like, you have 90 more days. What's your new number? I'm going to buy a new pair of shoes, man. I'm going to get a new pair of workout shoes. I'm working out in my basement. Quarantine has made me a shoe guy. Don't know why. But yeah, that's what we're going to do. So we're going to buy a new pair of Nikes and we're going to get after it. We're going to stay it, after it. It's interesting you became a shoe guy during quarantine when you have nowhere to go. I'm a shoe guy recording a podcast in my bare feet. <laughs> Irony, folks. All right, man. Let's get to the show. Distributing your content. How can you get your blog in front of more prospects? On Insights, we've talked multiple times about the value of content marketing. We've talked in past episodes about the value of creating great blog articles. But the truth is, just like a great book, if you don't get it in front of the right people and no one reads it, what does it matter? You know, Matt, it's like having a great painting and putting it in a closet. If you hide the Mona Lisa, no one can look at it. What's the importance of painting that great painting, right? Not saying my blog content is coming out like the Mona Lisa, but hey, maybe some are, right? I look at the page views. I look at the numbers. But Matt, if we have to create content and we want to get it in front of more prospects, in front of more clients, in front of more decision makers, what do we do? 
And, and for sake of this conversation, Matt, just to add a little bit more clarity, let's assume the article is already published. We've already clicked publish on the article. It's on our website. Now what do we do? I know if I call you Brad Da Vinci Biley, apparently. I'm um, all right with that. That's good. With, with, it's actually a conversation I had with a, a prospect last week was they recruit in a very specific niche in a very specific industry. So we talked about this, you know, what's the content you want to produce? So we're making that assumption here. We have a great piece of content. Where's his audience spend time? Where are they consuming content? You know, is it, and it's going to be different places for different people, which, which makes it the challenge. It could be, you know, what percentage of your audience consumes content on social media and then which, which type of social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, et cetera, you know, which percentage of your audience consumes content on through email or through, you know, maybe just a different, you know, how much you have to put paid behind that content to, to reach that wider audience. So it's really digging into that almost persona mindset of who you want to consume that content and figure out where they're spending their time, both during the workday and off the workday. It's casting a wide net. And Matt, I've said this analogy on Insights before, but it's just like the evening news. You know, some people might wake up, roll over, and check Twitter to get their news. Some might listen to the radio on their morning commute to get the news. Some might watch the 6 a.m. news on their TV. Some might read the newspaper. All of that is sharing the same message. They're all still getting the news. It's just in a different medium. Content and content distribution is the exact same. You've published that, let's say, blog post. Now we need to get it out through different channels because as Matt's saying, you don't necessarily know where your audience is hanging out and where they're going to be waiting to receive that content. Some might be on Facebook, some might be on LinkedIn, some might be on Twitter. So you absolutely want to share that post over there. To Matt's point, maybe you want to put some paid advertising behind that and boost it and promote it so that more people see it. Maybe you want to wrap it in an email newsletter. Matt, we've talked on Insights, I, I think it was two or three episodes ago about the value of email marketing. You know, we still have that negative thought in the industry that email marketing is dead. And we at Haley Marketing continue to see the exact opposite. You know, taking a very direct message to a very specific audience continues to have an impact. Yes, email marketing is dead if you're mailing to a list that doesn't want to receive your message. If you have a good list, as most staffing firms do, email marketing is not dead. So it's taking it that way. Matt, what else can we do? I think building off the social media distribution tactic, the creative needs to be really good. You need really strong imagery because, you know, we, we say, quote unquote, thumb stopping content. You know, when somebody's scrolling on Facebook or LinkedIn, the updates can be overwhelming, especially when it's the Facebook algorithm that determines which content to show you. So if you have a, a boring stock image or if you have a really strong, you know, employee generated image or something that stands out. Like the perfect example was our, I know we're talking about sales here, but from a recruitment side, when we launched a Facebook recruitment program at the end of 2015, beginning of 2016, the images are, you know, do you hate your job? And it's somebody that's 
crying or just some crazy image like a, a crying clown or just something that jumps out that's totally different than you know a professional stock image that type of creative and then gets grabs the attention and then the hook has to be a really quick copy to get someone to convert with a strong call to action so when you're creating that content you know especially in the digital you know social youtube probably not so much email you know what stands out to get them you know to consume that content so matt to wrap it up if you want to get your blogs to more prospects more clients it's casting a wider net once you click publish Yes, you can do everything right. You can optimize that post for search. You can make sure the content looks great. You can make sure that you have the best article in the world, the best answer to a question in the world. But if you're not actively pushing that to your audience, well, then you're doing yourself an incredible disservice. You want to make sure that you're surrounding it with social media posts, with the thumb-stopping imagery that Matt alluded to. You want to make sure that you're distributing it through an email newsletter to a very targeted list. You want to make sure that you're putting some paid promotion behind it, that you're getting it out to maybe just your client list. Maybe you're just sending it and and putting it as an email signature, or you're sending it out directly one-to-one in an email, not so much an email newsletter, but just an email. You need to take those next steps and you need to distribute that and make sure that your content is getting the momentum that it deserves. At this time, we'd like to welcome on Elaine Matteris, Digital Marketing Manager with Haley Marketing. Elaine, welcome to Insights. Thanks for having me. Elaine, why don't you tell us what it is you do on a day-to-day basis to help Haley Marketing and help our clients? Sure, so as you mentioned, I'm a Digital Marketing Manager here at Haley Marketing. I'm responsible for overseeing a team of strategists and advisors, and essentially my goal of my job is to ensure all my clients and my team's clients have measurable ROI. Um, On top of that, I work on Haley Marketing's internal team where I help coordinate conferences, uh, events, any really speaking engagements our team is going to. If you've seen Haley Marketing at a conference or if you've seen the marketing materials that surround Haley Marketing as we're headed to a conference, that's really a direct result of the efforts of Elaine and the team that she works with on the marketing team. But Elaine, you're doing an incredible job making sure that we're staying visible, even though we have no conferences this year. I know we're doing a lot of virtual conferences and and you're doing an awesome job on, on the team side as well. For sake of insights though, we're going to talk Facebook and LinkedIn groups. And how can you get more value out of LinkedIn and Facebook groups? Elaine, before we talk about how to get more value out of them, why don't we talk about why we need groups in the first place? Why should staffing firms or recruitment firms invest 10 minutes a day into LinkedIn or Facebook groups? Sure. So I think it's something you guys alluded to earlier. People are consuming content in different ways. And now we know on social media, people want more meaningful conversations. They want to talk, they want to engage, especially now they want to talk through their problems or new things that they're seeing. And that's where groups can come in. So Facebook and LinkedIn both introduced groups, I think honestly probably 10 years ago, but they just started ramping up and uh, having pretty significant impact in the last few years. And um, through these, we can see these very niche communities based on geographic location, interests, your business, uh, you know, even sometimes podcasts or TV shows you're interested to, interested in. So um, it's bringing a wide net of people to a very specific community. Um, and from the business side, you know, we want to connect with people that are in the same situation or looking for things that 
that we can offer. So um, on Facebook alone, there's over 10 million groups. On LinkedIn, there's over 2 million. And uh, I can tell you on, on LinkedIn at least, there's about 8,000 added every week, which is astronomical. So especially in today's climate, uh, we're bringing you directly to your business, directly to connect with those people um, who you can help solve their problems. Yeah, and, and Matt alluded to that in the first segment of taking your message directly to your target audience. If you wanted to network with like-minded individuals offline, you would go to a targeted networking event. You would go to a targeted career fair. You would go to these very specific events where you know your target prospect is going to be. These groups are that online. It's the exact same methodology. You're just taking your message to a virtual group. So Elaine, we know the why. You know, Facebook has said there's about 1.4 billion people using groups on a monthly basis. You said the, the raw number of how many groups exist right now. How can people find groups? Where would people get started in actually tracking down the right group? Sure. So I think with anything, we start with our audience. We want to break that down by um, just attributes that we simply can go, get to. Your location, your niche, your industry. Uh, I, you know, sometimes your talent pipeline comes from a specific university. As much as you can break your audience down, that's where you can get more and more specific in your groups. Uh, from there, I would really just use those keywords and search Facebook and LinkedIn. Uh, you know, sometimes it takes trial and error. You got to join different groups to know what works, what doesn't work, and know where people are engaging. Uh, another thing you can do is even just look at your own social footprint. Uh, what are you doing online and where are you going to get your questions answered? Can you be that resource for other people? Um, you know, so if you're looking for a landscaper, you go to Google and you search Buffalo landscapers, do the same thing on LinkedIn and Facebook, go there and look for Buffalo jobs, Buffalo job seekers, small businesses, and then engage in the conversations there. Love that last part. Engage in the conversation. You don't know who is going to be looking for their job when they're going to be looking for it. You don't know who that individual is going to be. So you might be in a Western New York garage sale group, right? Completely unrelated to job search. And somebody might ask a question of, hey, does anybody know who's hiring in Buffalo? You can join that conversation and say, hey, we have you know, 15 available jobs on our site. I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to schedule a, a Zoom and some coffee on Monday. Let's chat. Or as Elaine alluded to, you're looking for those Buffalo jobs groups. You're looking for hiring in Buffalo jobs and you're, or groups and you're being very, very specific with that. You're looking for that group. So Elaine, we know the why, we know the how, what, what should we actually do in those groups and, and what should we be sharing in those groups? So something that we both touched on, you have to engage. You want to go in and you want to be a human voice. You don't want to go in and just spam, start sending your jobs out like a madman. You want to engage and be a human in those groups. So if someone asks a question, see if you can answer it. Um, so what can you share? Start with that, your thought leadership. Can you give your own insight, your own experiences? Can you share what's happening to you in your business right now? Even better, back it up with some of your blog posts, your podcasts that you're listening to, videos that you've seen. If you can back your thought up by tangible uh, resources, you'll be better off. And people will want to engage, people will want to use those resources. Even better if it's from your own website, you're driving traffic from these specific groups back to your website. And the last, the last thing I would say is opportunity. So form of jobs, of course, share jobs in these groups to people who are looking, but share opportunity, share virtual events, especially right now, virtual interview events, job fairs, maybe something that's just going on in the community so that you can 
make yourself more human in these groups. Share opportunity because uh, like we said, this is a very specific niche group you're joining. So as much as you can get to that niche and that specific problem or thing people are looking for, uh, the more engagement and better ROI you'll see from these groups. I don't have much to add there. I think you hit everything that you could share in a group in that, that run of you know, 90 seconds there. So just to recap the segment for us, if we think through why you need LinkedIn and Facebook groups, it's the sheer number of people that are actively using them. Your target audience is on Facebook, is on LinkedIn. You just need to know where they're active and where they're hanging out. You need to go and take your message to that audience. And you don't need to just post and post and post, but join the conversation. How do you find those groups? As Elaine mentioned, search by location, search by your niche and your industry. Do really, really basic open searches, jobs in Buffalo, and see what groups show up. You know, don't think very specific and, and get into a long tail search. Make it very open ended. Western New York jobs, see what comes up. And then from there, once you're in the group, become a member of it. You wouldn't join a networking event. You wouldn't show up and just stand in the corner and scream about your staffing firm. Everyone would run as fast as they can away from you. They're going to do the exact same in a group. Join the conversation, earn trust, earn respect of the group, and then start to mix in that content. Mix in your jobs, mix in opportunities, mix in that, that healthy mix of you know, content and assets that you've developed and be value for the group. Elaine, thanks so much for joining us on today's insights. We really appreciate you coming on and sharing your insights with us. Thanks for having me. Does the age of your job posting affect performance on job boards? Matt, this is a really direct question and it's something that I know you're constantly looking at in the recruitment marketing space. So, I'm going to ask it one more time and then I'm going to shut up and actually listen to you talk here because I'm interested as well. Does the age of your job posting affect performance on job boards? Yeah, Brad, it's, it's a question when you work with our clients, you know, or anybody when they talk about, you know, when I post a job right away, I get applications, you know, but after a couple of days or a couple of weeks, I feel like I don't get applications and it's great to hear the anecdotal stories, but it's even better for to dig into data and see what conclusions we can draw. And here at Haley Marketing, by managing a lot of recruitment spend for our clients, there's a lot of data we have. So it's a question, you know, we're trying to help, you know, we're actually taking our own advice of questions we get from clients and hopefully educate with information and data and answers to provide them value to help them get better results. So what we what I did was you know look at some of our clients. I have three examples in, in my latest blog post that's on you know the Ask Haley blog that we'll link to here in the show notes. Where you know I looked at one example of a client that is staffing for janitors in healthcare facilities and in hospitals out in San Jose area, and we did all this research on Indeed because Indeed made it easy as easy as any of the job boards to look at data by day. So this janitor job in San Jose was posted in the middle of March. It was end of March, actually. The first two days, it got 55 applications, which is great. Took it down for a couple days. The second week, it got 42 applications, which is great. 
And then we took it down for a couple of days. And the third week, it got 25 applications. So it started to decrease, but not terribly. Let's fast forward to May. So it's the same job post, but on Indeed, it's going to be viewed as 30 plus days old, right? Because it was posted at the end of March. It's still up in the middle of May. It's looked at as a 30 plus day old job. What did we do? We used our software and RN to create new jobs in surrounding areas of San Jose. So it's the same janitor job, the same janitor job description, but it's four or five jobs in surrounding cities. So it appears to be a new job. You know, if it's May 15th, we have our old job that looks like 30 days old. We have new jobs that appear like they posted that day. What did the data show? From May 16th to May 22nd, the old job had three applications. The new jobs had 31. So we created four more jobs, but got 10x the applications. Share that data one more time. So we had a job that was 30 days old. For a week period, it had three applications. The four new jobs we created drove 31 applications. It, it shows the impact of new jobs. Not only, but the, the interesting thing was the jobs converted at a very similar rate. The amount of people that clicked to the job, that applied to the job, that percentage was very similar. But just getting the clicks on the jobs, that came to for the new jobs, not for the old job. That's interesting. And and just kind of thinking through it, in my opinion, it's it's almost like Indeed is saying, listen, this old job is irrelevant right now. You know, why why haven't you filled it in 30 days? What's wrong with you, right? Or, or what's going on here? Something's not right maybe the job isn't right, maybe the salary isn't right, but they're, they're almost trying to put some sort of logic behind this. So they're, they're bumping the new job and saying, hey, this is a new opportunity. Let's get this in front of more eyeballs because it's, it's a new listing. It's a new opportunity. We should elevate this. Yeah, we're not sure if it's, you know, that's a pretty good, that's one of the conclusions I drew was it could be the Indeed algorithm is pushing newer jobs because those newer jobs are getting more impressions Right, an impression is the number of times your your content is seen. So the impressions are even up for new jobs versus old jobs. So it could be the indeed algorithm pushing it. It could be job seekers just want to see new jobs and click on them because they're pretty smart. Like we know, like job seekers will know if that job's up there for a long time. Oh, I looked at this three weeks ago, I didn't apply, I don't want to consume it again. You know what else, Matt? It it could be the fact that a job that's been listed for a while maybe the applicant is thinking it's already filled and the, the staffing firm just didn't take it down or the employer didn't take it down. If I see a job listed for, you know, three, four weeks, I'm assuming in the back of my mind, hey, maybe this one's already filled. I don't want to take the 30 minutes to apply to this, go through all the hoops, jump all the hurdles and, and make sure that I submit an application to something that they're not even going to review. It's, it's a really good information. I'm glad, you know, it was, it was awesome to see the data back up those anecdotes we hear from clients or even just when we manage these campaigns to see, yeah. you know, I thought this was true and we found it. So there, there's three examples in the blog. And I think my big takeaway for, for clients and for companies is this, is that the data is showing this is happening. But the mistake I see staffing agencies and recruiters make is let's say you posted a job June 1st, any job. You updated the date of that job on August 1st. 
on your ATS or maybe on your job board on your own website, it shows August 1st. The job boards are smarter. Indeed is smarter. It knows that first index date. Index is a date where the first time your content was posted. So it knows you posted that job originally on June 1st. It knows you updated it on August 1st. It's still gonna show your job is two months old. So that's the mistake I think a lot of companies are making. The next step is, you know, when you fill that job, close the job order. Like I know it's a lot of work. I know it's a, it's difficult because it might even still be for the same client for the same position, but it will give you better results. So let's say you had that job on June 1st. Let's say you just filled it end of June, middle of July. You reopened it or reposted it August 1st. If it has a new job order number, if it has a new URL on your website, that's going to come across as a new job on August 1st and not a job that's two months old. And if you're listening right now thinking, well, I don't have the time to close out a job and repost it every single time. We're always hiring these warehouse associates. We're just going to keep re-elevating the same one. I would challenge that and say for 31 applications versus three, you should absolutely find the time to repost that job. You know, it's, it's not asking you to completely rewrite all of the description, rewrite everything. But to Matt's point, for 31 applications instead of three, you absolutely need to repost that job instead of just changing the date and rebumping that in a, a place like Indeed. Yeah, it's part of the value we try to provide. Like we, we help and we manage these, this, our clients' campaigns and their spend. We look into this data, we provide them recommendations. And you know, I had some calls in July where with a client that thought they were doing the right thing, but it just wasn't, you know, she had a system of changing job order IDs and whatnot, but the job wasn't getting closed. It was still the same URL. And I think really focusing on that formula of a new, a new ID and a new URL for your job will, will give you more applications for those jobs. I think Brad's right. Like we've said that before, like, yeah, it's a lot of work. We acknowledge that we empathize with that, but companies are struggling to get candidates, you know, pre COVID since COVID and anything you can do to, to improve your chances of getting applications. This is a formula to really follow to help get more applications for your jobs. To learn more about this great topic, you can visit HaleyMarketing.com, check out the Ask Haley blog, and read the article posted by Matt titled, Does the Age of Your Job Posting Affect Performance on Job Boards? Or you can click the link in the show notes. If you have a specific question about your job posting, if you wanna learn more about the impact of programmatic job advertising, or you just want to talk about applications and how you could generate more for the listings that you have on sites like Indeed, feel free to reach out to Matt Lozar on LinkedIn. You can search for his name or click the link directly in the show notes to go to his page. I'm sure Matt would love to have a 15-minute chat and talk about how he can help you improve your job applications and your recruitment marketing. That's our show. And thank you for listening to another episode of Insights. If you found this episode valuable, we would love to know. You can message Matt or Brad on LinkedIn to share your thoughts. Have a question for us? You can tweet us at Haley Marketing and let us know what you're thinking or email info at HaleyMarketing.com. And of course, if you need a hand with your marketing or recruitment marketing initiatives, we would love to help. You can check out HaleyMarketing.com to get in touch with our team of marketing educators. For my podcast partner, Matt Lozar, this is Brad Biley. We'll see you next time.